you enjoyed being led in worship, know this, that all of the different individuals that played, that rang, that sang, that gathered today, it takes practice, it takes effort, and I just appreciate the music ministry here. If you're thankful for them, just let them know how much you appreciate them. <laughs> Under uh, the leadership of Anthony Criswell and such a great team around him, and um, our God is a faithful God. That's what we're going to find today in the book of Joshua. If you have your Bibles, you could turn to the book of Joshua. If you don't have your Bibles, it's okay because you can text FBC Notes to 77411. And you can follow along with the message, the sermon points, the scriptures, all those things through what's called Version. It's the Bible app. It's a shortcut. Each week we'll be showing that slide to help you follow along with the message. When we think about Joshua 24, it is his final words to Israel. He is an old man at this time. And I have done what you're not supposed to do when you're in school, when you've got that book report and you read the first chapter, then you read the last chapter and kind of skim over what's in the middle. That's exactly what I've done in this series. We spent four weeks primarily looking at Joshua 1, yet looking at a few elements within the book. And now we're going to spend our final message in this series on Joshua in chapter 24. But know this, the middle of the book of Joshua is a story of conquest, God's faithfulness, and Israel dwelling in their land, each of them being assigned the different tribes their inheritance. So we come to Joshua 24, and he gathers all of the people together to give them his last words. When I meet with families, as they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I always try to find out things about their loved one that they would like to be said at their loved one's service. Sometimes they'll tell me the last words he said were this. Or the last thing she said was this. And it's always significant, a person's last words. So what Joshua is saying here is very important, not just for Israel, but for us today. Thousands of years these words have lived on and they're relevant for us. So as he gathers all of Israel together in chapter 24, I want to share a truth about those first 13 verses that we learn and then give you two more life lessons from the last half of chapter 24. Here's the first lesson that you can apply to your life today. Knowing our history is critical to daily and future living. Knowing our history is critical to daily and future living. Now, if you were to go to the doctor, especially for the first time, to maybe a new doctor, a new medical establishment, they are just so nosy, aren't they? They want to know all about your past, the medications that you've taken, the surgeries that you've had. They ask all these questions. You have to fill out so many forms. Why do you have to do that? Because they know that your medical past history 
bears greatly upon the treatment you'll receive in the present and in the future. Our medical history matters. Imagine going for a job interview with a new employer, potential employer, and they not even ask you about what you've done in the past. It would not be a very good employer, would it? He or she would need to ask you about what you've done, where you've been, what's your employment history. We expect that when it comes to our medical community, with our jobs, and yes, for our own lives, it matters. Our past matters. It will inform how we live each day and how we live in the future. That's what Joshua really is telling them in these first 13 verses. He gives Israel a history lesson. He reminds them in verse 2, look there, Joshua 24, verse 2. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. That was part of their spiritual DNA, that the ancestors of Israel served other gods. That Joshua was quick to mention how Abraham was called by God, brought by God, to this same land that they are now living in. God called him to this promised land. And God made his offspring many. And they are the offspring of Abraham there in the land of Israel. Then he talks about the son of Abraham named Isaac. Then Isaac had a son named Jacob. And then he says that Jacob and his sons go down to Egypt. What Joshua doesn't tell us in his summary of their history is something we know from the book of Genesis. The story of Jacob, who was estranged from his brother Esau, and how the two were going to have a family meeting and... Jacob was afraid, and he spent the night in prayer. But not just that, we're told that he has an encounter with a mysterious man, and he wrestles with that man until the wee hours of the morning. And before the man leaves, Jacob has actually wrestled with God. And God names him Israel changes the name of Jacob, and Jacob, or Israel, is the father of the tribes of Israel. His 12 sons will form the nation. They will go down to Egypt, husbands, wives, children, and they will come out of Egypt 400 years later being led by Moses and Aaron out of slavery. And they're not just a big family, they're a nation. A nation has been formed. But Joshua then reminds them of how God protected them. How he is a faithful God, his faithful heart saying to us. That's not faithful hearts. That, that's our women's ensemble. Forever his. Sorry, we got lots of ensembles here. All right. He's a faithful God. He's good. He protected them. He sent plagues against Egypt, God did. God preserved them as they were being 
chased down by the Egyptians in the wilderness. God protected and delivered them. Then he names all the different nations, the different people groups that Israel fought against in the land and and how they won that battle, those battles in the book of Joshua. Then in verse 11 of Joshua 24, the Lord says, And I gave them into your hand. The Lord wanted them to know that it was him. The Lord who had ultimately went before them and gave them the victory. Our God's the same today. He goes before us. He stays behind us. He surrounds us. He is our mighty warrior, our mighty victor. The Lord is that for us. And he's telling them full circle, Israel, it's full circle now. Abraham was here in this land. He, his descendants left the land. Now we're back in the land, and we're numerous, many people, many offspring, fulfilling all the promises of God. And then he reminds them of this in verse 13. Look there. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, in cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Now, It is Mother's Day, and I imagine the mothers here, there have been at least one occasion in your life that one of your children gave you some lip. I'm not talking about a sweet kiss on the cheek, but gave you some, you know, lip, some some back talk. And maybe you uh, had to remind that precious uh, child of yours, you know, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out, right? (laughs) right? I mean... Remind us as children that we, we're not here unless you birth us. I mean, we, we are dependent upon you for life. Now, some of you may have built your own house with your own hands. My dad did that. Mom and dad still live in that beautiful house that dad built in the mid-1980s. But most of us, we buy a house and live in it, a house that somebody else built, right? Now, maybe you are a person of the earth and you plant and grow all your own vegetables and fruit and and you go out and and kill the deer and, and, and feed yourself off the land. More power to you. But most of us eat food that's already been picked, placed in that grocery store for us. That's what God is telling Israel in verse 13. I gave you a land. It's, it's been cultivated. There's cities that have been built. There's vineyards that have been planted. All of this is for you, and you didn't do a thing. It's a picture of the grace of God, of the mercy of God, that you are living in a place, enjoying the fruit of the labor of the previous nations before you that lived in this land. All that Israel has and all that we have is by the grace of God. That is our past. And it's so important for Israel to know the faithfulness of God, His deliverance, His guidance. They had a story as a nation and Joshua did not want them to forget. You have a story. You have a story. And it's when you can Look at your past and 
name it, accept it, draw strength from it, direction from it, that your past will then inform your present and future and not control your present and future. Many people are controlled by the past. But our Bible tells the story of Jesus and how He makes all things new. That in Christ we're new creatures. The old has gone. The new has come. Where Paul writes, forgetting what is behind me, I press on toward what's ahead. And as we look forward by the grace of God, as we're free indeed to praise God that our past sins are not held against us, let us not, though, forget our past. We will be forever wise as individuals, as a church, and as a nation to remember the hand of God in our lives. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything. Name it. Let the past inform you and drive you, not control you. Second truth will come from our main passage found in Joshua 24, verses 14 through 19. I'm going to read these verses now for you. This is the heart of the word today for us. Joshua says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river. See, he's going back to their past. Beyond the rivers, Euphrates. He's saying, those gods that Abraham's ancestors worshipped, whether those gods or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, Joshua says, we will serve the Lord. Now, people answer in verse 16. Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. And at this moment, you think Joshua would say, Yes! You heard me! You're with me! That's not what he does. <laughs> Look at verse 19. But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. 
Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God, we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day. And put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth. That's a tree, by the way. The terebinth's a tree. That was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. After these things, Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old his final words to the nation of Israel two truths number two every person will serve something or someone every person will serve someone or something It doesn't matter if a person believes in God or not. Every person on planet earth will serve someone or something. When you read Joshua 24, you hear a verb used time and time again to relate to how the people interacted with the little g gods and the one true big g God. That word is serve. Serve. Over and over again, serve. Serve the gods, serve God, serve God, serve God. Over and over again, that that idea of, of serving God. Many times we look at the Old Testament and we find it to be hard to understand. And we look at the people of Israel and their stubbornness and their forgetfulness and their faithlessness and we want to judge them and even sometimes say we as modern society are so much more civilized than those Israelites. Now it's not right that the people of the ancient Near East worshipped other gods but at least they were honest in how they talked about it. They named their gods They fashioned statues for their gods. They brought their sacrifices, their offerings to the different gods. They worshipped all the people of that part of the world. And they bowed down and served those gods, hoping that those gods would do something in return for them. They were wrong, but they were honest. We're often wrong and dishonest. (laughs) Why? Because we often fail to see the gods in our lives that control us, that we sacrifice to, that we bow down to. The gods of this world and in our lives are plentiful. 
Every person on this earth will serve someone or something. And that you say, well, pastor, I'm American. I'm free. Then you're free to serve your own desires, right? Even radical freedom, you're serving yourself many times. I'll give you some examples of of gods that we serve in our modern society. Oh, we don't have statues, statues like they had in the Old Testament of idols. But, oh, the, the gods of this age are still alive and well. We can serve the God of external beauty. We spend lots of money trying to be and look and stay beautiful. We can serve the God of popularity. It's difficult when you're a child to be left out. It's difficult as a teenager to be left out, as a college student to be left out, even as an adult. It doesn't get any easier. It's difficult, and you can bow down to the God of popularity and bring the sacrifices and bring the offerings, and you can be popular, but there's a cost as you serve that God. We can serve the God of wealth. And work long hours and accumulate massive amounts of cash and store up for ourselves a great, secure retirement, doing all that we can to serve that God. But we can't take any of that with us when we go to heaven or hell. We can serve the God of feeling successful and accomplished. And bring our offerings and sacrifices and live our lives that others might notice us. The God of pleasure we can serve. The God of substances. The God of sports. The God of being outdoors. The God of your child growing up and being all the things that you weren't as a parent. We can make a God out of anything and everything in life. And our problem, our dishonesty is we think we can worship those things and the one true God at the same time. We think it's both and, but it's not. It's either or. Jesus agrees with Joshua. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Erase money, put anything in that blank. Anything. Can't serve God and that. There's a fork in the road, Joshua is saying. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Just be honest about it, Joshua says. If it's all those other gods, serve them. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Either or, not both and. But pastor, I thought we're supposed to serve others. Yes. Today we we honor and serve parents, our moms. Today we, we dedicate precious children to the Lord. As parents, we love and serve them. But even those most precious people can become our greatest idol. It's when God is put in his first place of priority, promise, devotion, and surrender to him that he then will order every other priority. Everything just will fit in place. He'll take care of the money. 
seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'll take care of the rest, Jesus says in Matthew 6. So what's the choice? Number three, we must choose to fear and serve the Lord. We must choose to fear. What does that mean to fear? It means to reverence, to humble ourselves, to know that God is God and I am not. We want to be God of our own lives, but we're not. No one knows our final day. Only God knows that. He is God. We're not. Fear the Lord and serve the Lord. It means to yield to Him, to let Him have full control of your life. Joshua says this, Joshua 24, verse 15, the key verse of our passage. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I read and made the comment that Joshua does not make it easy for them. I mean, they're, they're like, we want to serve. No, you can't do it. I mean, he, he makes it hard. Why? Because he wants to make sure they're really sincere about it. And that they're going to actually follow through with this commitment. It's not something we take lightly to serve the Lord. And our Lord Jesus Christ does the same thing oftentimes in the Gospels. He doesn't always make it easy to follow him. If anyone will come after me, he must what? Deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus, let me go home and, and bury my loved one. No. <laughs> Keep your hand to the plow, Jesus says. Don't look back. His call of discipleship is incredibly high. Just as Joshua's call for them to be obedient to God is up here. And he says, okay, are y'all hearing this? Are you witnesses? Yes, you're witnesses. Look at this rock. This rock heard all these words that God said that you said. It is a witness. He is serious. They make a covenant. He writes it down. This is really important. It's a fork in the road for all of us. Every day of our lives. To serve the Lord or to serve whatever else we want to serve. Notice he says that in order to serve God, you must put away the foreign gods that were among them, he says in verse 23. So what gods is he talking about? Could it be that Israel had already picked up some of the gods of the land? They have a few little statues with them in their bags. I, or could it just be the gods of their age had saturated their lives? I'm not sure which it was, both either or, but they must put away those gods. And then he says, incline your heart to the Lord. Today, God is calling you to make a choice. It's the choice he calls every day for us. To serve ourselves, to serve the gods of this world, or to serve the one true living God. And when Joshua actually tells Israel, you cannot serve the Lord, he was actually right. Because they couldn't. And they would fail over and over and over again. In fact, that is the story of the Old Testament. A story of failure by the Israelites until they lose their land and are scattered, lost people. 
And God knows that we will fail. Yet not I, but Christ in me as we sang. It's Jesus. It's Jesus who did not serve the other gods of this age, but came to this earth and always served his Father's will. It's Jesus who broke his mother's heart on the cross when he suffered and bled and died for you and me. And it's Jesus who conquered death forever, taking all of our sin upon himself and then defeating death for all eternity so that one day when our loved ones tell us their last words, that if they know Jesus Christ and we know Jesus Christ, that we will see them again because of the hope of heaven through Jesus our Lord. The gospel gives us not just salvation, it gives us power because with the gospel comes the Spirit of God. We have such an advantage over the Israelites. We have the full revelation of God's Word and we have the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit. And we have generations before us who've built this church and built our families and built our lives and we've inherited all this by His grace that we then might bless the next generation of children and their children. You see, it's all about Jesus. And today, you can't serve God unless you come to Jesus. You can't. You will fail. And even once you come to Jesus and you're, his, you're a follower of him, you're still going to mess up. But there's grace, there's forgiveness, there's strength, and there's his spirit that lives in your heart that enables you to keep these commands. How do you, how do you come to know Jesus? Well, you just admit to God. You say, I, I'm, I'm going to own it, God. I'm not going to try to say I serve you and everything else. God, I'm a sinner. I need you to, to save me. I'm lost. And then you put your hope and trust in Jesus, not your appearance to folks that, that you go to church and so you're okay with God. No, you put your hope in Jesus, that he died for you, just for you, and rose from the dead. And then you confess your faith in him. We often do that through prayer. And today you can be a Christian. Today you can be a follower of God. There are some of you who have strayed away. And it's time to come home. You're already a Christian, but it's time to make a fresh rededication of your life to Jesus today. We will celebrate that today. We'll rejoice with you today. Choose you this day whom you will serve. May we all say together, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, I pray now. As we sing, as we consider all that we have heard, all that we have experienced, God, through worshiping you through song, and as we've heard this message on this beautiful Mother's Day, God, how we thank you for our mothers. How, God, we thank you for your grace and for your gospel. It's greater than the gift of life that our moms gave us. The gospel is the good news of Jesus. It is the heart of what we believe, and it's the gospel that will enable us to choose you, God, to fear you, to serve you. Help us today, God, to cast away those 
idols, those gods of this age that call for our devotion, our attention, may we cast them away, incline our hearts to you by your Spirit's power, and yield our lives to you, Jesus. Let Christians today grow as disciples. Let the lost today come to know Jesus today for salvation. God, have your way. Let us see generations Know you because we as a people said we will serve the Lord. No matter what the world does, we've not forgotten our past. It is a stepping stone for our present and future. We will serve the Lord. Strengthen families, God. Strengthen lives today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to tell Jesus. Oh, the freedom that you can have. Will you just tell Jesus what's on your heart? Even the hard stuff, the bad stuff. Oh, I'm hurting Jesus. I, I, this message is hard for me. Pastor's asking me to give this up, God. I don't know how, if I can. Tell Jesus that. Don't bear your burden alone. You come forward. We'll receive you and help you and encourage you. Pastor Tom is here. I'm here. We'll help you. We'll pray with you. This altar is open. We take in new members, new Christians, folks who just need prayer. This is your time. Let's give it to God right now and be obedient on this beautiful Mother's Day.